Old need, school. I am. I still need to go out and get a camera at some point. Well, like, what, what, your like clips on to your like. Yeah, I don't. I don't even have that. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, but it's you have it on your laptop, Dan. Yeah, but it's I like using my desktop more. It's more comfortable. Oh, grandpa counter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like using my desktop box. <laughs> hey, everybody. Do we have a show for you tonight? First and foremost, we've found ourselves a third regular host. We're bringing in Tony's brother, Nick Diulio. He's going to be uh, moderating between Tony and I since he tends to fall in the middle of us. We also have Emmy DeSico coming on the show. She's the media coordinator from March on Harrisburg. She's going to be joining us later in the show. She's going to be talking to us about gerrymandering and automatic voter registration in Pennsylvania. So I'm really looking forward to that being uh, my home state here. Uh, so, we got a wonderful show for you, for you tonight, and uh, thank you for joining us. This is Vigilant Radio. Hello and welcome to Vigilant Radio. My name is Dan Cowder. I'm Tony DiUlio. And I'm Nick DiUlio. Who is new at this thing. Uh, if you can't tell by that slight delay, that's actually my brother, Nicholas DiUlio. He has joined us as the official third host We've of upsized. Vigilant Radio. Yeah, I know. We're getting bigger, people. I know. Oh, yeah. my if, goodness. We can't do it, if we can't do it with fans, we'll do it with hosts. <laughs> oh. that's, that's our motto here at Vigilant Radio. Tony just made uh, me sad. We, we have, we've got a really great episode tonight uh, ahead of us. We're going to be focusing largely on the American uh, Health Care Act and its current position in, in the House and, and really focusing on one issue in particular. And that is going to be answering the question of, is health care a right? And if so, who should pay for it? Uh, you know, with everything going on right now with the FBI and Comey and trying to find the replacement and uh, even even some some really odd choices that have been tossed around um, we thought it would be important to kind of step back and say, okay, this isn't the only thing going on. We still have this bill that's going to be going through the House uh, or going through the House and is going through the Senate that we need to talk about. So let's hop right into this. Nick, you're, you're our fresh blood for this. Um, being yeah. the, the host tonight, is health care a right? Well, you know, I, I think it's really it's important before answering that question specifically to acknowledge that we already treat it as a right in this country that if if some if somebody uh, you know some uninsured individual gets hit by a bus uh crossing the street we don't expect him to just lie there and bleed to death if he can't <laughs> afford an ambulance and treatment at a hospital you know he right. he gets taken to a hospital he gets treated even if he doesn't have a cent to his name and right. it's not like know, they're doing a background check on the guy before they operate him on the emergency right. room yeah, right. well, sir, yeah. your credit rating is only a 648. If you'd have been yeah. a 650, <clears throat> we could have yep. helped you out. Right. But yeah. make better choices yeah. next time. And <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the, yeah, if you know, we're already we already treat it as a right. Um, so it almost <gasps> is. It, it seems like kind of a. Um, an academic distinction to even try to make it anything other than a right. I, I don't understand what the alternative is. If it's not a right, then that person uh, who gets hit by the bus and has no money to pay for the ambulance or the, the hospital does die. He gets left on the street. I mean, wh you know, why not? If he doesn't have a right to treatment, if he doesn't have a right to um, the, what we're using the broad term health care, then, um, then what's the problem with him just uh, bleeding out there on, on Main Street? All right. So if that is the case, um, Dan. That's a long roundabout way of saying yes. You're right, <laughs> yes. Healthcare. And now this is one of the distinctions I want to I clarify because this is what's really important for, for me. When you say healthcare is a right, do you mean you have a right to receive healthcare? In essence, you have a right to go to the hospital and, and have access to treatment or – is having health insurance a right? I don't. I. I. Frankly, I am like I'm. I'm starting to push so hard against the notion of health insurance in general that 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 health 
care, the the access to health care needs to be a government run uh, system, and that in, that the, that the middleman of insurance is just gumming up the works. Um, and so I wouldn't say that I'm not going to to argue that health insurance is a right. I think that more to the point is that access to care, medical care, is is the right. Uh, okay. And, yeah. you, and, and you're, the, what you opened up with, I think, is critical to the argument is it's always been that way. I mean, regardless of everything that's come out with the AHAC or with Obamacare, of course, well, that's Obamacare, why it's, that, But that's, it, it has, a, when you say always been that way, obviously we're not talking about like 1520s London, where I'm sure plenty of people were <laughs> left to die on the streets. I will, I will have you uh, know the 1520s London healthcare market was thriving and vibrance, <laughs> and if you had the plague, you could walk down to your local apothecary and yeah, it was a, probably throw you in a ditch. Um, a bloody utopia back then, governor. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> too much. So, so, so yeah, anyways, you say it's always been that way, yeah. And and you're talking about contemporary America, um, of course. That's why we're having this conversation because people are getting treated anyway. People, ha- the money is being spent on um, healthcare in circumstances where people can't pay for it themselves. And that is one reason why this is a pressing issue. So yeah, it has always been that way, but it's not to say like, I don't know, you know, what, you know, how that relates. Although I guess I did kind of cut you off. So what was, how, how did you <laughs> continue that? Well, yeah, what, what I was trying to, to get at is if, if it has always been that way, and if it has always, in essence, been subsidized by the people that are paying for insurance and choosing to pay for insurance, um, you know, I, I've got insurance through my work. My premiums before Obamacare uh, were lower. They, they've gone up since then, as most people's have. And the reality is more people seem to be using the healthcare. I guess. There, there's more people that say, oh, well, now that I have insurance, I'll, I'll go and use it. Um, why, if we were always subsidizing it anyway... Was there ever a need for something like Obamacare? Uh, well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. A lot of a lot of what I hear being a problem with the idea of universal health care, um, it, it doesn't stem from Nick's example of well, if you get hit by a bus, then the ER will see you. Obviously, I think everybody on both sides of the aisle thinks that if you're in some sort of immediate catastrophic accident, then you ought to be you know rushed to the hospital and treated, whether you're rich, you're poor, whatever. I don't know, you might want to ask Paul Ryan that, well, that question. He might <laughs> he might be a lone dissenter <laughs> on that point. But I, I can't even with Paul Ryan. Yeah, um, but the the idea that getting hit by a bus, for example, is somehow different from coming down with some chronic thing that requires constant treatment. You know, I've I've ne- I don't understand why the two are any different. They're not, yeah, no. You know, like if you get hit by a bus and you have, you know, crushing internal injuries, if you come down with cancer, if you have lupus, if you have any sort of, you know, chronic mental, physical disease, you need the same sort of treatment. Why does the one get you the help in the hospital and the other does not? Like, I I don't... Totally. I don't don't get why why that's a distinction. It's a great fusing of the... uh, well, that metaphor into that more specific issue. Yeah, one of the one of the problems is that the only time that happens, uh, well, there there are three scenarios. Okay, mm-hmm. you've, you're either a person who chooses to have health care, right? Um, you know, you can afford it. You decide to have it. You're someone who can't afford health care, and you choose. <clears throat> you you get it anyway because you've got either Medicare or Medicaid. Or you're somebody who either can and or cannot afford it, but choose not to have it. Right? Aren't those? Doesn't that cover all the the real bases for for somebody? Um, if, if I mean, there are holes it, in the in 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 that second uh, in the second hypothetical person you're talking about. Someone who I, who can't necessarily afford health insurance, but also doesn't uh, doesn't fall below the income threshold to apply for Medicaid. Like uh, that does. There is this. There is a, a gap there. Um, so it's not entirely inclusive to to say that it's all three, just those three. But uh, okay, so do we have any sense of of how big that is? Um, that yeah, or, you know, wh- how many people there are? I mean, are we talking thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands? I mean, I've got no For sense. What, the, the number of people who 
wants who who can't afford health care but also are over the the necessary level of income to get Medicaid. Ooh. I do not have a sense of that, no. Do you? Um Well, I don't. It's just for so the med I'm just looking it up real quick. The uh if you've got a family size of one, your income level needs to be below um I'm sorry, I just want to make sure. No, that's not the right answer. So I, I don't know what the, the number is, but I guess that's the group, the only group that's left out of my equation because I don't know where they fall. And what I'm trying to get at is if we had a system that was was working for the people that chose to have it, mm-hmm. was working for the people who were on Medicare or Medicaid, was working for the people who didn't want to be on it uh, because they, they so chose not to be on it. If it works for all three of those groups, the only the only group unaccounted for there are the ones who don't qualify for Medicaid and similarly uh, can't afford it. Yeah, but you're over you're you're oversimplifying. Like, oh yeah, you can either just afford it. So I guess you're making, uh, you know, uh, just enough money that it's that that affording that your health insurance is of no economic consideration. That you are in that second tier where you're poor enough that you qualify for Medicaid uh, or old enough to apply for me- to qualify for Medicare. And then what was the third one? What did you say? The, not, the, the, third? the people who chose not to be on it, whether they can afford it or not, they simply chose not to be on it. Chose not to have health insurance. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. I, 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 mean, I don't that, know. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say like this idea of, of I, I don't want health insurance. Like I get how that's, you know, a thing at this point because the uh, the Affordable Care Act certainly is not a perfect system. Um, but Tony, you and I have had this conversation on the show before, where you know healthcare works like a pool, and the more people you have in the pool, the better it works for the people who need it. But also, the more people you have in the pool, the less each individual person who's in the pool but doesn't need treatment at that time needs to pay in order to cover everyone else who does. Do you know what I mean? But you eliminate the choice, and that's in the end. And where this this, this always—I was waiting for you to use that word. I, every time I, I listen to to any episode, and I and I hear, and you guys touch on healthcare, and Tony starts using this word choice. Yeah, I, I, I just I, my head explodes into a million. Like, I don't understand. Hold on, hold on. Do you have a – should somebody pay for you, let's say your your bus fare or your airplane ticket, to get to Washington, D.C. to go exercise your right to free speech? It's not like I no, see no, where it's, you're it's going obviously, with this. It's obviously right. no. The answer is <laughs> obviously no. The answer is obviously no. Should guns be free because they have a right to guns? No. Okay. No. Is there any right that you can think of, uh, the right to vote? Uh, Education? The right to an education. I, I don't think there is a right to education. There's not. Uh, in, I believe even that kids. our public education system is structured around. Oh, and man. I don't know that there was any. So, I don't. I should know this, but I don't know if there was been a there was a constitutional amendment uh, regarding public education in this country. I know we certainly treat it as a right. Uh, whether it, I don't know to what legal. Uh, since it, it is designated as such, but we certainly treat it as, as one, and I think most people think that it is, and we're entitled to it. Ed- okay. Education and healthcare are significantly different because you're education talking is about- way closer to as an analogy. It's way closer to either of the other two you mentioned about nope. guns and flying someone to vote. It actually isn't because those those other scenarios are ones that people choose to do. So education, you're talking about a group of people, the the young. Who have no incomes? They're not paying for their own stuff anyway. This is not. This is something that if no, they it's have, not the young, it's no. The, the young have parents who may or may not be able to afford education either. It's not that we we don't provide education in this country um, because children can't pay for it themselves. That's not at all like why it it exists, and and, and it it exists as a you know as a larger social benefit to that there's a there's a social benefit to having an educated uh populace and you know so we provide that okay and again you're a limit you're talking about a group though that isn't making the the conscious choice you're talking about something that we know is is 
is good and, and they should do. And it's like, it's like being a parent at that point and saying, look, we, I know this is better for you whether you like it or not. That's not healthcare. That's not the system we have and it's never the system we have had. But that There's doesn't mean it's not the system we should have. I mean, these examples that you're giving, you know, uh, is it, should all guns be free because they're a right? Um, well, no. You know, should I be flown down to Washington on the government dime because that's where I want to exercise my free, exercise my free speech? No, obviously not. But even though both of, you know, like free speech and the right to bear arms are constitutionally, um, you know, guaranteed in, in the Bill of Rights... Um, I don't need those things to physically live, you know? So, I mean, like, when we're talking about healthcare as a right and trying to compare it to other things that are, you know, express rights of ours, yeah, I can see where you as a lawyer are going to say, well, you know, you can't put them all in the same place because then that puts healthcare in this really odd position. But at the same time, they're not the same because I can choose not to exercise my right to bear arms and I can still go on living just as fine today as I did yesterday. If I yeah. don't have access to health care and I'm critically sick and I can't afford it or my cancer pills are costing a gajillion dollars a month and I'm going broke and my family's going broke, I die. You know, like yeah. That, then, yeah. Or you go bankrupt. Yeah. Or, or I both. go bankrupt and then I die. Um, right. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I I do think that it should be a right. I will agree with you that it's not the system we've ever had. I think it ought to be, and obviously we could hammer out the details, you know, for years and years. But speaking in broad strokes, I think it ought to be a right, and I think that it should be a different. Like, I, I hesitate to even say this sort of a thing because this gets me into all sorts of uncharted legal waters. I'm sure, but. I do think it's a right that is of a different caliber than the right to bear arms because I don't need a, I don't need to have a gun in order to live tomorrow and to live happily and right, without pain. Right. You know. But but the issue is, and, and this is the thing: it's it, having access to health care. I, I could be okay saying that that could be a right. That's that's not an issue for me. It's when you start forcing other people to pay for it that that don't want to. That's we where I have already an issue for, do that. No, no, no. Tony? The only people that do are the ones that are choosing to. You the don't think that, that you don't think that the costs of the hypothetical guy who gets hit by a bus, or the the person who you know needs emergency treatment but can't afford it. You don't think that multiplied to a macro level, that on some level you're not bearing those costs, whether it's in your insurance premiums or in what a hospital charges for certain things, how it bills. Like you don't think that. On some level, you're being affected by that. No, that you're I, just I absolutely side do. Of that. No, that's what I'm trying to say. Is I do believe that. I believe my insurance premiums do address that. I do believe that what the hospital charges uh, for certain procedures, because they they understand, you know, that that person that gets hit by the bus that can't pay for it, they're going to charge more for those things that are covered under normal insurance to help subsidize those costs. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. But I am choosing to make those – I am choosing to pay for that insurance. I am choosing to go to that hospital when I make that decision to uh, to cover that cost. In essence, I'm saying, look, I'm accepting that, yes, the hospital is going to be altruistic or is going to you know have to do these procedures. But I've made the choice to get that insurance. Why should the government be able to come in and say, look, you don't want insurance? Too bad. You're going to pay for it. Well, because That's I think crazy that, to me. I think that your quote on your choice – to say, well, I don't want to be in the insurance pool. I'm healthy. I'm careful. You know, I'm I'm all these other things. I don't really think I'm going to get sick, and I want to save the, I don't know, you know, a couple hundred bucks, hundred bucks a month, whatever it is, um, in premiums. I'd rather just not even carry insurance. That choice on a macro level impedes the choice of other people to receive care that would save their life, cure their illness, so on and so forth. You understand? It's kind of like, going back to the example of education, it's kind of like when a community chooses to not fund its education well because, you know, well, we don't, none of us have any kids, right? Like, And then all of a sudden, you know, in a couple of years, crime has skyrocketed, teen pregnancies have skyrocketed, you know, there's no educated workforce, and everybody's like, what are we going to do? We, and why is this happening yeah. to us? And so it's, yeah, you made, a, you made a choice, but your choice impacted the rest of the community. And with healthcare, it's the rest of the country. The people who are sick can't make a choice to just snap their fingers and be better. They need that money to come from somewhere. So I think that in these sorts of instances, the, to be quite honest, the right of the person who is sick to receive treatment and possibly get well or alleviate their suffering, I think that honestly supersedes the right of someone who is well to say, the you right know of what? Choice, I, I, the right 
the right of freedom to say, well, look, this yeah, is what people are know, in this country you for. You know what? I do. I think that the right and, of the person who's sick, they get to say, I want treatment and I, I should have the right to receive it. I think that supersedes someone being like, I don't feel like paying this. Come on. I'm healthy. Like, but I here's but they were you're right. Yeah, I do. Okay. Even if you believe that, they were getting that before anyway. For chronic it, it, illness? It, it, but not for you. If we're, yeah, like <laughs> I like the damn no, the fact that we're not just talking about the, the the guy who gets hit by a bus. That yeah. we need to also consider all these other hypotheticals that somebody with a chronic illness or a terminal illness um, who doesn't necessarily. That's not the same exact thing as the guy getting hit by the bus. There is a point where it's just like, ah, oh, you can't afford your cancer drugs. Sorry, yeah, you know, or until, you go bankrupt or you die. Like, until Obamacare and came out, um, pre-existing conditions would get you just denied from service. Yeah, straight like, up, right? Like you they, wouldn't even have, yeah. have the option. Um, you know, and I, I'm curious what your, Tony, y- your underlying aversion is to the notion that we need to have some sort of compulsory system to spread out the, the the risk pool and the financial responsibility for this country's healthcare needs. I, I don't know. Why is that so anathema to you? The first issue I've got is hiding behind this whole thing of people calling it a right and, and, and saying that I, I have to pay for someone else's right. That That's not accurate. That's not how the law works. I, you, I think I used, I forget where I used this example. Maybe it was just with Dan or, or another friend, but you know, I don't have a right to wear a seatbelt. I have to wear a seatbelt because the law tells me I have to wear a seatbelt. If if you have a right, it's something that you have. It's something beyond uh, just kind of. It's beyond government. It's something you've got, regardless of anything, because you're a human being. You deserve this, and that's fine. And and access to healthcare could be its own thing. I, I like I said, I'm okay calling it a right. Hiding behind that and saying because of that right you have an affirmative action, there is no other right that comes with that, not, none. As, certainly not as an adult because I still believe. Well, we're getting. I, but. I don't want to get too hung up on the 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 the, 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 the pedantry of the word right because I do want to keep. I want to come back to education well, that you know it that is a compulsory thing. You don't have a choice if you and Audrey have children and you decided to send them to private school. You can't say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pay my property taxes. Or I'm not going to pay the 80 or 85 percent of my property taxes that go to funding my local public school system. You are compelled by law to pay that, and the same compulsion would apply to some sort of, you know, to to healthcare uh, or health insurance. I guess in the context that we've got it right now, and. I don't know. I mean, maybe you do think you should be able to opt out of 80% of your property taxes if you don't send your kid to public school. Well, first of all, I think you do get a tax subsidy if you choose to go through like a charter or private school. Um, well, that's a hotly debated issue right now. Right. I, 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 well, whether or not that, that should that's be allowed. A, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other episode. Education yeah, itself uh, and then charter schools is... Ugh. But like going off, to, but, going off of the basic premise... But the basic you know, premise of does education... Does that bother you too? No, because you are you're talking about a class of of citizens who cannot provide for themselves. Ooh, no, these kids have parents, Tony. You're, no, but you, the kids themselves, like, the children oh, themselves. Gov, no, I, I don't have the money to pay no. for my schooling. The but they're living in the some hovel. No, the fact of the matter is, kids. You know, you you cannot rely on the parents to to be able to just fund each child. I mean, kids. Kids are being born all the time into po- impoverished families, into into poor neighborhoods, and they should have an opportunity to build themselves out of that. To say, look, I can go to school. I, I, my parents. It's not a matter of of cost. Um, you've got access to that because they have no other means. Adults do. Adults have options. Well, wait a minute. And, wait a minute. And we got to start wrapping it soon here. Uh, at least this segment. But d- does an adult, does your average adult, really have legitimate means? to get themselves out of a chronic illness where the prices of the medication reach into the hundreds of thousands of dollars per bottle of medicine? No, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they have the choice and the the, the ability to get into a position to either afford or or get health care through other means. How, what other means? Medicare, I mean, Medicaid. You've got <laughs> Medicare, Medicaid, or work employment. I mean, paying for it through through a job. Um, what you 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 are you you work at 
you know, Walmart, or you're a subcontractor for a painter, you know, like where work is not an option and you're making, you know, just enough to, to, to make ends meet. And, you know, yeah, you're diagnosed with cancer or by the way, we haven't even touched on children who are impacted by this. And if you want to talk about a population that can't afford things for themselves, if, if the education analogy or why you're okay with compulsory public education is that it's a population who can't, you know, fend for itself. There are hundreds of millions of children out there with chronic and terminal illnesses uh, who are also impacted by this conversation. I'm okay with that as well. I'd be on board with that. Pay for the children. Yeah. But once you're 18, go fuck yourself. You can die (laughs) on the street. Well, that's just a step up from the congressional GOP, which is we'll protect you right up until the moment you're born, and then you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we just Um, gained 18 years. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, look. Let's 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 take a little break here. Let's give everybody a a, a breather. Um, we've got some some hot topics coming up regarding you know if this is going to be the case, who should pay for it? We also have a very special guest coming on yes, uh, to yes. discuss uh, some some gerrymandering to discuss uh, how to protest it. A, a recent protest that they have put together um, it should be really interesting. So Indeed. so don't Indeed. don't turn away. We will be right back. And welcome back, everybody. We are here again as Vigilant Radio with myself, Tony DiUlio. I am Dan Cowder. And myself, Nick DiUlio. Uh, as we've been discussing, we've been talking a lot about the American Health Care Act and, and specifically whether or not health care is a right. And we're going to start focusing on uh, you know who should pay for it. So, Nick, we're going to do a little recap, 30 seconds, minute of kind of your position you're trying to get across uh, in the last half hour? Mm. Uh, well, straight up, healthcare is, is a right. We live in a an evolved and highly economically successful society that um, certainly has the means to ensure all citizens have uh, access to uh, to healthcare in this country, affordable, realistically affordable um, healthcare. Frankly, I uh, will be till my final breath escapes me pushing for a uh, some sort of uh, nationalized single payer system. I, I don't see any any way to fully resolve this issue without that. There are just a, a, a bevy of <clears throat> industrialized countries that are way ahead of us on this to no discernible detriment and um, that we all need to just be chipping in, which again, we're already doing. Americans are already paying more for healthcare than, uh, than virtually any other country in in the world. And um, you know, it's already super expensive. We're already paying out the wazoo. We need to, to, to pull together and, um, and make it so that everybody has, uh, has access to it. Dan, how about you? What's, what's your recap? Well, um, as I'm sure will come as a complete shock to you, I also think that healthcare ought to be a right. Um, I, I think it's pretty straightforward at this point. Um, if we had everybody who could afford to in the pool and paying, I don't think the uh, contribution per person would be too onerous, and I think that that would be enough money to cover everybody's needs. And if it wasn't enough money, I think that we ought to be able to go to um, some of these corporations that have been stashing their tax dollars offshore that they've you know these profits that they made in the country in the United States and they hold them overseas to keep them exempt from US taxes there are currently between 2 and 2.5 trillion dollars of these profits stashed overseas if we could repatriate them in certain ways and this would take a lot of finagling I'll admit but if we could repatriate them that would give us way more money than we'd ever need to fund a system like this furthermore the United States is already gone and called healthcare a basic human right. Twice. It said so in 1948 when the United States and 47 other nations signed the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights in which they said, and I quote, everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of oneself and one's family, including dot 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 medical care. These sorts of things are completely fundable. Russia funds them. They've got a GDP of $3 trillion. The United States is just pulling on $19 trillion. Why can't we find the money for this? Simply political reasons. It's a right. Everybody ought to be in the pool, such as they can afford it. Um, and it ought to be covered single-payer by the government. 
All right. So, and we'll get into who pays it. For my summary, look, I am perfectly fine saying that you have a right to access healthcare. You cannot show up to a hospital and the hospital say, no, uh, we're not going to serve you. But the fact that you want the American people to pay for it as a whole and to eliminate that choice goes beyond any other right that is out there, as I've given the analogy, the right to bear arms, the right to free speech, uh, the right to press. You know, I don't, as a taxpayer, have to to pay, uh, you know, somebody to go write an article because they have a right to the free press. Uh, I, I can, as Nick, sorry, is is making wonderful faces at me. Uh, that is not the same. I have the right to do it, but I don't have the right as a government to say you have to pay me so that I can do it. Those are two completely different things. So when it comes down to this, it's going to be a matter of all right. So who should pay for it in the end? Now. This is going to be the big, uh, big topic coming up because what has recently come out with the AHCA is that it, we're kind of tweaking Obamacare to say that states have the option to opt in or opt out and, in essence, uh, force their insurance companies to insure for pre-existing conditions. This is the, the hottest topic right now mm. with the with with the healthcare that's going forward. So. What is your guys' position? Obviously, both of you guys like single-payer systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I Why? don't understand when it comes to... Well, because it is the solution that has been employed by, uh, like I said, a bevy of other developed countries who have done it very successfully, not to say that they're perfect, and there's plenty of internal criticism of how to make those systems even better, but um, what's stopping us from doing it uh, is our, our completely cynical... Um, reasons there there is no reason it's not it is affordable and it is increasingly unconscionable to think of any other sort of circumstance or any other long-term solution to it It, from like the ethical standpoint uh i I don't what's your problem with calling on the states to make the decision oh man i'll take this one um because what's going to happen is and all the Republican states are going to opt out of it because they're all broke, like Kansas. And then entire swaths of people who already can't afford health insurance are going to be too poor to move out of those states. And they're going to be trapped in a place where they can't get coverage for everything that's gone wrong. That's mm-hmm. why. The states that are, when you give the option of the states to cut funding like this, the only ones that are going to say, yeah, we're going to opt in are the ones that were responsible and kept taxes high enough to pay for shit. When you go with like this Kansas model of things and you just cut, 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 cut and expect trickle-down economics to work for the first time in history, you're going to opt out of it because you can't afford it. Well, for, first and foremost, I need to make a point here because this, this – I like your little stabs are always very nice and all. But it is not about Republican states being broke. If you look at the poorest cities in the country, they're all run by Democratic mayors. So hmm. making an association between the two – I think is really just trying to take a stab at something because you think it'll be a good punch. Beyond oh, that, is it? beyond that, uh, the the trickle down economics. I'll agree with you. Does not work. I think it's a stupid system. Obviously, the the highest ups are going to keep the money because that's how they become the richest people. They don't become rich because they're spending all of their money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm with you on that 100. percent But the states are there for a reason. The, the states were created from the get go because they understood that trying to control such a a large mass of people. Uh, under one rule was uh, nearly impossible because you were going to have far too many views and far too many people that would accumulate to say uh, any one thing should be the rule. So what they did is they said, well, look, here are your basic rights. The the uh, Bill of Rights comes out and you say, all right, this is what we've got for everybody. Now, states, you go out and you figure out the rest. So what is the problem? Why Why aren't people so up in arms to say, you know what, you know, New Jersey – you need to be uh, a state that is covering pre-existing conditions and let the people of the state fight it over because if you've got a, an 85% Republican state, why should they have to do what, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, California wants to do? Yeah, and you know what? I was thinking the other day, I'm like, look, if South Carolina really still wants slavery, that, that, just let them fight it out, you know? Nope. Like, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, oh, come on. Okay, that's fight, that's <laughs> Uh, That's what? what? <laughs> in the first place. Oh, shit. Is it 1860 again? This is the whole, this concept that, like, the states should be allowed to just fight it out amongst themselves or decide on themselves is antithetical to and, and stems from, no, take that back. 
the reason to be made against that notion stems from the argument to be made for healthcare being a universal right. In other words, if it is a right, then no state has a right to set limitations on people with pre-existing conditions. Just like we we established, you know, human beings are not property. I don't give a shit what you think, uh, you know, South Carolina or, uh, you know, Louisiana Purchase, whatever. Sorry, that's you don't have a right to say that that's what you want to happen in your state because that's how you kind of, you know, feel good about doing things. Um, and that's why I think it is important to continue having this broader uh, ethical conversation because the closer we get to acknowledging that it isn't something that any government should be able to um, or, or business should be able to withhold from citizens of this country, then suddenly this whole conversation about what states should or shouldn't be allowed to do becomes increasingly moot. Uh, and I, I, for one, like that because I, I don't understand. But, so, so what your issue is, it's not – your issue with this pre-existing conditions is that you think – a business shouldn't be able to choose who to insure. That if they're going to be an insurance company, they should just insure everybody or be willing to insure everybody. And this is where health insurance takes on a very unique characteristic because I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, well, what would stop you from buying home insurance while your house is on fire? Uh, <clears throat> that they are two very different products, and and health insurance, while it is an insurance product, um, is is so unique to the extent that it plays a vital role in the very thing we've been talking about—the difference of life or death—and um, therefore, you know, broadly speaking, no, I don't, I don't think it should be any more ethically ethical for an insurance company to refuse. A customer with the pre-existing condition than a shop owner to refuse, uh, you know, service to a person of color or uh, some other uh, individual or demographic that they don't want to do business with. So, what, what's the purpose of getting insurance preemptively? The, what's the purpose of getting insurance preemptively? Yeah, if, if you're gonna, if you're going to, if you're going to insure me when I get cancer, regardless of. Uh, you know, there's a uh, a cap on what you can charge me. So I'm gonna. Why not wait until I get cancer? And, and well, because health insurance, insurance isn't only for cancer. I mean, there's a whole list of reasons why. Okay, so oh, I got know, a car accident. My wife calls and she gets me in car gets me insurance. How about like, hey, you know what? I've got health insurance and I've got it because I get uh, six months screenings at my dermatologist for ten bucks, and I get uh, to have a baby and it doesn't cost us $40,000 out of pocket. And, you know, wait, wait, wait a minute, I, but, but why not wait till, till, you know, yeah, your wife gets pregnant and say, okay, now I'll buy it. Tony, are you when, being when facetious with this? Are you actually, no, asking no, I'm, I'm, you're actually, being, okay. If, so the if, reason you don't do that is because then you would pick up the insurance. The minute you get hurt, drop it. The minute you're better, the insurance companies in the inter- entire insurance market would go bankrupt in days Right. And then nobody would get health coverage at all. The entire I mean, right. you're an insurance lawyer. The entire point of insurance is so that people That's who don't why... need it right now pay into it. So when they do need it, there's a large pool because everyone else has been paying into it. When thank God they don't need it either. And your so, question, Tony, before I forget this point, does, isn't doesn't come into play if insurance is compulsory. That's why the mandate was a a, a keystone of Obamacare because you have to make sure people have it and aren't doing what Dan just said, which is get it, drop it, you know, end of story. It has to be compulsory. Right. Uh, you can't have both. You can't have uh, equal access to uh, uh, pre-existing condition insurance without it also being compulsory. Exactly. Yep. So okay. you got to get So it. why can't we not rely on each state to make up that decision then? Because this if is- each voter, if the voting class is what's supposed to be important, if it's supposed to say, look, if look, I don't need everyone to believe me on you know whether or not uh, you know my property taxes should be X or Y. If my state agrees with that, I'm not paying for property taxes for people in Kansas or or, or New York or California. It's located in my state. Why why does something that you are forcing me to pay into? I'm not saying the right to access healthcare. Again, I'm on the same page. I'm cool with that being a right. 
The problem is forcing someone to pay into it. Why can't each state decide who is forced into paying into it or not? Because this is not an academic point where you can just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, the states are going to be the um, the laboratories of democracy here. And if one works out, then great. And if another one fails, then eh, whatever. I mean, th- these are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people's lives that depend on the idea that they can go and get treatment for what's gone wrong with them. You know, and something eventually goes wrong with everybody. This is the human condition. Eventually, even, you know, healthy McHelferson is going to, you know, break down. He's going to get into an accident. Um, I've worked with people who've been healthy their entire lives. And, you know, they're on the job and they, you know, they're working on the line and something comes at them. And maybe they, you know, they're throwing boxes around. They catch one the wrong way, blow a disc. And now when they've worked for 20, 30 years, now they can't anymore. So if they've chosen every other day. But if they have chosen that choice of saying, you know what, I'm going to take that risk, it is all about risk reward. If Tony, someone wait, wants no, to no, come no, back no, and no, say, no, 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 what about the person on, who on, just gets cancer, Tony? What about the person who just a five year old kid who okay. gets you know leukemia? What Again, choice did that kid make to I'm get that? I'm on board. Hey, I'm on board with with insurance for kids. I'm I'm cool with that. So but, I'm but, I'm taking this outside the scope of that, and I'm saying, look, as an adult, you can choose. And again, maybe one of the answers has to be address this this mixed population of people who both can't afford insurance and also aren't making enough for Medicare or Medicaid. We need to obviously bridge that gap. I'm okay Huge with that. Huge part of Obamacare was to um, trying to address that. Right, and, I, and I'm okay with trying to bridge that gap one way or another, whether it be personal review of each case. But what I'm trying to get at is I'm talking about that population of adults who have chosen, making a conscious decision to not have health care because they don't want it, they don't think it's worth it, they think they're young and they're healthy and they're fine. And if something goes wrong, then that's their choice. They've made nope, the choice to take the risk. Else. It impacts and And that, I understand, I feel as passionately I do about this because I once held that position. And I've come to realize just how ethically dubious it is and also sociologically wrong-headed it's not you don't have that choice any more than you have the choice to say like ah you know what fuck it i don't i don't take advantage of the public education system hey fuck it i've never had to call the cops why should i be paying for the cops you know we we have a whole set of compulsory uh institutions that we subsidize and you're trying to make insurance sound like the government is forcing you to buy an ipad and when you don't want an iPad, it is so much more than that. And it is and it is filled with so many more nuanced layers that impact the broader um, the broader population that it's not the same thing. This is not just like the government forcing you to buy an iPad or, you know, paint your house. See, I, I completely disagree. I think this is almost not I mean, not the same, but it is ethically wrong to try and force that decision upon somebody that doesn't want to make it i think that's why force any of it why force why pay for the cops that you don't use why pay for the school system you don't uh utilize why why have society at all really yeah right i mean (laughs) at what point do we just say i'm gonna go grab my musket and um you know i'm just gonna hope for the best <laughs> you, it start; those lines start to blur severely, and there's no way to reconcile the the inconsistency of your position with the the, the, the rest of it. And and that's what I eventually got to the point. I was like, you know what? This does doesn't make ethical or intellectual sense anymore, and I can't keep fighting it. Uh, um, this is a this is a total losing battle. Uh, all right. Well, look, we, we're running out of time here, and I'd love to keep pushing on this because I do think it can be reconciled. Um, I think I have reconciled it. As, as an I aside, it, to, keep, to keep it going, is I really do believe it's reconciled. It's not the same. You're, you, when, you're, when you're paying for police and you're paying for school systems and you're paying all that, you're paying for areas that you've chosen to be a part of. Um, you know, but, I've chosen to live in Collingswood, so I've got higher taxes than Dan has. Uh, you know, I... I for whatever reason that is, because I know Dan's school system is also pretty good. Um, you know, there are just amenities, I guess, of Collingswood with their, you know, little fairs or whatever the, they the do. Pretension, right? you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> New Jerseyites. But my point is you're, you're choosing into that system. You're choosing, and you do obviously receive benefits of police officers, whether you're directly using them or not. If if you're paying into the healthcare system, you're choosing to pay into it. If you're not paying into it and something happens, well, I'm sorry, you've taken that risk and you happen to have drawn the short straw. You know what? Look, rather than kind of just jockey back and forth on that, I'm really curious what your like fear is 
like are you afraid that oh my god if the government makes us buy health insurance the next thing they're going to do is they're going to make me do x like i don't know i the well there's there's two issues so two things i do believe it's just as much a slippery slope in in your direction as it is mine because i understand what we need is that balance we need to find that middle ground finding that balance because i think the slippery slope on the other side is saying okay well i think we should also pay for college now make college uh covered just like high schools i think that's a yeah. ludicrous system nope, great idea. Um, no a horrible Really? Absolutely you think it's a, horrible. This, you're right. The system we have right now of trillions of dollars of, of school debt that is never oh. going to get paid is a much better idea. You're right. That's oh, fantastic. I, I think there it's already subsidized, Tony. I think revamping it wouldn't be the worst thing, but you know it is getting repaid. And I think the problem is that they are grow they are increasing their costs at an unfathomable level compared to the rest of of society. I mean, they're way above that. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's ways of of uh, reining that in, if you will, but it shouldn't be free. You know what should be? You know what people should really be doing? They should be going no. to trade schools. Trade schools should be a heck of a lot bigger because. Well, I'd agree different. with that, but the one doesn't have anything to do with the other, as far as the cost of. Uh, sure, right. the problem it's still is not free, Tony. It wouldn't be free. We would be right, paying taxes. Pay it. it's, yeah, an, it's an investment. And right, and it's a and it's as it's no less crazy to think that, and we're not there would potentially be tiers of college that you know would still be pri- there would be private institutions there would be public institutions public no. colleges. Like, what would happen? What would happen is that the exact same thing that is helping with happening with healthcare would happen with colleges. Is you are you are just throwing companies are just leaving markets and closing down because they can no longer compete with the, in the Obamacare system. There's just no there is no market for it. Um, you know, you're going from states that have 10 to 15 health insurers down to two. I mean, it's it's crazy. And you think that's happening? Why? Because of Obamacare. I mean, that that's what the well, system is. Well, I mean, created. if you really want to get into it, then Marco Rubio kind of torpedoed those um, high-risk corridors back in God knows what year that was. That was supposed to help manage those costs, but that doesn't really ever get talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I mean, there, right, there are ways to, to handle I, that I, and to keep high, you know, very high risk people. Um, I don't want to say separate, but, you know, it would have helped manage the costs better. But he he scuttled that. And then, of course, Obamacare got blamed because whoever wants to talk about Marco Rubio. <laughs> Too, I mean, I, I don't I just don't like understand uh, fundamentally the 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 logic, the reasoning that gets you to this place of being so fearful of a um, government-run health system. I, so I, here's the other piece. So I told you, the one is the slippery slope of of people feeling comfortable with the federal government, can, you know, coming in and saying this is what you need to be paying for, you need to be doing. Um, there needs to be a line somewhere. Obviously, we pay federal taxes, so you know, there's just got to be that decision. The other problem I've got is I cannot think of a single example of something that the government has taken over that has done better than the open market has done. That's so crazy, Tony. Can you can you think of you tell that me the something. government has taken over? Right. You the, say the, taken the, over the, the government because you want to go to a single payer system. The issue for me is that I don't think the federal government is a good business person. I don't think they make good decisions with money. Um, I think that they have a huge tendency to be spending money from one sector in another sector because they run out of that money in another sector. Um, I do not trust them to make those decisions for the best, uh, you know, for the best business decision to make sure that this is affordable and effective for everybody. So, do other I, co- other countries that have, uh, you know, single payer nationalized health healthcare that are doing it successfully uh, resonate at all in trying to curb your, you know, cynicism about that? Um. Not to be honest, not particularly because I don't believe any of them have had, uh, you know, such a huge success as to blow our healthcare system out of the water. Here, well, let me just this one paragraph from this this sure. column, this New York Times column. He writes, uh, and he came from Finland. This writer used to live in Finland, now lives in the U.S. He said, in fact, the United States, or he says, um, you know, Republicans. I'm sorry. So he's talking about how, you know. People who are critical of this idea of, of nationalized health care are, you know, they're worried that we're going to be at the mercy of bureaucrats and there's going to be long waiting times and that quality of care is dismal. 
And he goes on to say that, uh, according to the latest report of the OECD, an organization of mostly wealthy nations, the United States as a whole does not actually outshine other countries in the quality of care. In fact, in the United States... We have shorter life expectancy, higher infant mortality, and fewer doctors per capita than most other developed countries. When it comes That's to outcomes in some illnesses, just two more sentences. When it comes to outcomes in some illnesses, including cancer, the U.S. does have some of the best survival rates in the world. But that's barely ahead of, or even slightly behind, the equivalent survival rates in other developed countries. In breast cancer survival, for example, the U.S. comes in second after Sweden. Third best is Norway. Fourth is Finland. All three countries have universal government-run healthcare systems. Because with these things, look, you, what was the very first one um, in your in the U.S. is it, it was second one was infant mortality. What was the first one on that list? Life expectancy. Life expectancy. Life expectancy. Okay. Life expectancy. There are so many other factors that go into it beyond healthcare. For example, the fact that the U.S. also happens to be the most obese country. I mean, there are so much. There is so much more involved in that. That has nothing to do with healthcare. That's like I read a, uh, an article is, once. Hold, real quick, I read an article once that said, you know, people that brush their teeth every day, um, you know, are are healthier. You know, way less than people who don't. There is absolutely no correlation between the two, except for the fact that a person who has the um, the uh, obedience to brush their teeth every day probably has more self control to not eat more, or has more self control to do things like work out every day, uh, or do things like that. There's nothing about brushing teeth that will make you healthier, and that's what this article does. That's what it tries to portray, which is exactly what yours is doing. It's creating these these uh, connections between two things that don't exist just to try and make their point. No, what he no, 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 no. What he's saying is this idea that somehow countries that have uh, state-run health care are somehow like these, uh, uh, you know, abysmal morasses of bureaucratic uh, inaction and shitty care is just not true. And no. to illustrate that point, he mentions things like life expectancy, infant mortality, the fact that we have fewer doctors per capita than most other developed countries. He goes on to a whole other paragraph about colorectal cancer. I mean, it's not just life expectancy. Right. I understand. And, that, and, I'll, and I'll give you that. Look, I'm not saying that they are as bad as people portray. You know, people like our father, it says it's going to, you know, you want to wait in line for, right. for that's 25, it's, 25 that's hours. Yeah. And, I, and that's fine. What I'm saying is they're not so much better that I would eliminate my ability to choose. I'm not. Choose it's what? Not, what are you choosing? What I'm doing with my money, with my income, with with my choices in life, whether or not I want to pay for my own health care or not, that's the choice that bothers me the most. Is you honestly that it's not even from this massive position of privilege where you're saying like, hey, I I could just choose. I am a young, healthy, wealthy white man, and you know what? If I want to exercise my right to not have health insurance, god damn it, I should be able to do that. And it is the narrowness of that perspective that. Is preventing you from thinking about how this, how the whether that this is not just a matter of being able to choose that you to you want health insurance or not the same way you choose to buy. Uh, you sound like Jason Chaffetz when he was like, you know, maybe some people should think twice about buying that iPhone, and uh, you know, instead should go out and uh, buy buy some uh, health care. That's right. that is the road down which your line of thinking eventually leads. It has to by necessity. You can't get the, the only way you get to that Jason Chaffetz moment of iPhone health insurance is when you see health insurance like it's an iPhone and it's not Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, listen, everybody, that makes up our time. Sorry for uh, our guest not working out. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get her on the phone, but we will definitely be trying to bring her back. So, guys, let's hear some closing thoughts. Dan, how about you? Um, well, I would just like to uh, thank March on Harrisburg for trying to work things out with us tonight. Um, obviously, we couldn't quite make it happen, but I will be in touch with them, um, and we will try to get them back on maybe next week. Um, certainly gerrymandering and things like that is not an issue that's going anywhere. And as Tony led with at the very beginning of this, uh, episode tonight, um, even while all the stuff with Russia is going on, there are still so many issues that we need to resolve here at home that are facing people immediately. Uh, the high drama of international espionage aside, um, other than that, I would say, uh, as far as healthcare goes, please call your, uh, house of representatives representative. And I would tell you to have them support H.R. 676. It's a Medicare for All bill. 
Um, a lot of people have been signing on to it recently. My own representative uh, has done so. That's Congressman Brendan Boyle. And um, we are very thankful that they're doing that because I think it'll do a lot of people a lot of good. All right, Nick, how about you? Any final thoughts? Uh, well, I think this is a good conversation. This has been, I think, really interesting. And uh, I don't need to, to reiterate necessarily how uh, <clears throat> how I feel about the uh, this issue of healthcare. It's I, just the older I get the, and the more life I live, the more I realize now we've all got to be chipping in to do this. And um, I think arguing against it is uh, is rooted in cynicism or misinformation. Um, and also, finally, the students of Liberty University should be uh, ashamed of themselves for allowing that horrific, uh, homunculus, uh, <laughs> hypocrite to stand up there and talk about God <laughs> and the importance of faith. <laughs> and for them, for, for at the very least half of that student population to have not stood up and turned their backs on him or walked out, um, I guess, well unsurprisingly exposes a certain degree of inherent hypocrisy in evangelical Christian America. But um, the fact that, that that even played out and that Jerry Falwell Jr. sat up there and yucked it up um, with uh, with this man uh, was just probably the biggest horror of... No, not the biggest. How do you rank the horrors of, of America under Trump? But it was uh, it was up there. It was just a very, very sad... They should have done what the the HBC students did when Betsy DeVos tried to speak at, at their graduation last week. Just turned their backs on them on her. But anyway, yeah. There you go. Wow. All right. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. That's wow. All right. Yeah, Nick, tell us how you really feel. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that God, in. I wrote. Damn. I wrote I, on Facebook uh, the night before Mother's Day. Sid was in in bed, and um, and I saw this story about him at Liberty, and I was just like, <laughs> you know, rage. Uh, overflowing and and I quoted he said something in his his speech that um, in this country we don't we don't worship government we worship God and and then in parentheses I said he said just before grabbing the Holy Spirit by the pussy and <laughs> and mom got on Facebook she's like what the hell is this da, da, da. and I was like you know what oh, man. I'm gonna delete that I deleted it because it was night before Mother's Day I'm like I don't need to get into <laughs> into this uh, energy. But the hypocrisy is just staggering. But nothing matters anymore. So No, no, it doesn't seem to. Uh, what this comes down to for me is that there needs to be some, some real thought regarding how far we want our government to go. And however you feel about that is, is your choice. But the question you have to fi- figure out is where is that balance between how much you want your federal government to step in and how much you want to be able to have choices of your own. Because every time the federal government steps in and forces action, you are losing some of your own choices, some of your own rights to say yes or no to something. And that is the question that comes down to for me. I won't try and belabor that any further to make sure Nick doesn't kill me with his stares. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we are Vigilant Radio. We're so happy that you guys were able to join us. Next week, we'll be back. Uh, I'm going to try and push people to talk about the New Jersey governor. Governor. Govern, governor. Wow. That's a word. Gubernatorial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the governor race, uh, because that's coming up, and it seems like people don't know much about the candidates. So I want to talk to you guys about how important that is. We'll see if that actually um, gets gets through or not. So I want to thank you guys so much for joining us again. I'm Tony DiUlio. I'm Dan Cowder. I am Nick DiUlio. And this has been Vigilant Radio. Stay vigilant, everybody. Boy, you never saw it coming.
Hey everybody, do we have a show for you tonight. First and foremost, we've found ourselves a third regular host. We're bringing in Tony's brother, Nick Diulio. He's going to be uh, moderating between Tony and I since he tends to fall in the middle of us. We also have Emmy DeSico coming on the show. She's the media coordinator from March on Harrisburg. She's going to be joining us later in the show. She's going to be talking to us about gerrymandering and automatic voter registration in Pennsylvania. So I'm really looking forward to that being uh, my home state here. Uh, so, we got a wonderful show for you, for you tonight, and uh, thank you for joining us. This is Vigilant Radio.